Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. I'm Pastor John Allen, for those of you who are joining us online. And it's my privilege to be here today and to share uh, from the Scriptures and God's Word for you. Let's pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, our strength, our Redeemer. May these words be your words, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. There was once a West Texas billionaire that was known for his vast lands, his wealth, his beautiful daughter, and this huge Texas-sized swimming pool with a 10-foot white shark that uh, made its home in the swimming pool. Well, the, the billionaire loved uh, parties, and he was constantly throwing parties, and at every party he would make this challenge. Any men that will swim from Texarkana to El Paso and survive either gets half of my wealth or my daughter's hand in marriage. No one ever took him up on it. Um, who would want to? Who would jump into a pool with a, with a 10-foot shark? Well, one party, he made the challenge. He was about to move on to the next part of the party. And this young, strapping, tall uh, man jumps into the pool at Texarkana and frantically swims to El Paso. And just as the shark was about to grab his legs, he makes it out of the pool. Well, the billionaire is absolutely amazed. He says, wow, what an act of bravery. What an absolute idiot you are. And he said, but, he said, you get the reward. He said, do you want half of my wealth? And the young man said, no, sir. He says, oh, so... You want my daughter's hand in marriage? He goes, I don't want her either. And he said, well, what do you want? I'll give you anything. This is absolutely incredible. And the young man said, I want the name of the person that pushed me in the pool. (laughs) Persecution, probably not. Horrible prank, probably But the fact of the matter is that none of us is looking to be persecuted. None of us is looking for hardship in life. None of us is looking for the difficulties that come upon us as human beings. We avoid persecution. We avoid hardship. We want to get along, so let's not talk about our faith. Just blend in the crowd. We want to be popular. It's not that we want to be popular. We just want to be comfortable, right? Just comfortable. But faith is uncomfortable. Jesus makes this promise to assure us that whatever life may bring, God is with us. Whatever life may bring, God is with us. As we come to the end of our study on the Beatitudes... This is the last and the most difficult of the passages. I want to review the others, the steps toward 
becoming a growing disciple of Jesus Christ. Remember, we talked about these not as independent blessings, but as individual steps. So put that up on the, up on the screen. You know, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The first step is to recognize our need for God. How can we grow if we don't recognize our need for God? Second, blessed are those who mourn. And we sometimes think of this as mourning over loss, mourning over grief. But this is a, 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 the Greek indicates it as a mourning over lacking, over mistakes, over not fulfilling what God has called us and made us to be. In other words, to confess who we are before God. Number three, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And here, meek is not a doormat or someone that is milquetoast, but rather to seek the discipline of God, to be strong in the presence of God, to accept the strength. Um, as, I, as I said that day, that uh, an analogy for, for meek in terms of how it's translated in the Bible is wild horses under control, strength under control. So we admit who we are, we confess what we need, and then we accept God's discipline. Then there is a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. A hunger for a relationship with God. And also to be merciful, even to those who do not show mercy. And as we talked about then, that is a reflection of the great commandment, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love neighbor as self. The next step is to be pure in heart. As we move through these steps, now we have the ability to purify our heart. We've admitted our need for God. We have emptied ourselves. We have accepted God's discipline. We have... We have sought, we have sought to, to fulfill the great commandment. Now comes the purity of the heart, for they will see God. To have one motive, to be a monomaniac for God. And then last week we talked about blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Seeking wholeness for others. Now we get to the most difficult. Jesus is leading us to a God-filled, God-like existence. God isn't focused on our outward performance, but rather with what is in the heart. Jesus is leading us to a God-filled, God-like existence. And the more God-like our heart, the greater the victory over what life can bring. So he says, blessed are the persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, this is a tough passage, and frankly, I've tried to look at the Greek to see if there's any... um, there's any loopholes here (laughs) to get around it. Because when Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted, he's not just talking about one person against another. Jesus is talking about the hardship of life itself. When we, when we suffer, when we meet the hardships of life. Blessed are those, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
For they shall receive the things of God. For they shall be of the children of God. And, you know, I, it's real clear in our tradition that we don't believe that Jesus taught a prosperity gospel. But rather a persecution gospel. He didn't teach that following him was going to be a picnic or a religion of convenience. Rather, he taught that to follow him, we'd have to deny ourselves take and take up our cross. And the cross is an instrument of torture and persecution. But here is the good news. Jesus doesn't leave us there. Jesus doesn't leave us in the place of hardship, the place of persecution. Are we victims? No, not at all. We are God's people, and the victory comes to us through our faith in Christ. Did you hear that? The victory is ours through our faith in Jesus Christ. So as I look at this passage, the question that I have is not so much uh, the persecution itself, because we all have experienced those who have resisted us because of our faith, we've experienced the darkness and the dark valley of life. But how do we respond to it? When we look at the New Testament, what are the scriptures that lead us to respond to the hardships, the trouble, the persecution of life? So, in looking at the scriptures, here's what I found. Recognize the source. Refuse to retaliate. Respond positively. Remember persecution is only temporary. And the final reward is ours through Jesus Christ. First, recognize the source. Paul says in Ephesians and in other places, similar writings... For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. In other words, it's not about us. It's about the God we worship and follow. It's it's not about us in terms of this battle that we fight against the troubles of life. It's about... (laughs) putting our reliance and our faith and our hope in God through Jesus Christ. God doesn't deliver us as much as God is with us to sustain us. And to remember in recognizing the source that there's usually something deeper at work. Look beyond the trouble to see the complete situation. How can God use this for God's purposes? What can God do to transform this cross into an element of glory? Refuse and recognize the the source. Second, refuse to retaliate. In Romans, Paul says, Repay no one evil for evil. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. In other words, God's going to take care of things. Walk away. Don't be a doormat. Jesus says, Don't cast your pearls before swine. And actually, the literal translation is, Don't put your pearls on a pig. 
In other words, set good boundaries. Do not let the persecution or hardship divide us. Anger, bitterness, and hatred are destructive. Refuse to retaliate. Refuse to give in. Rely on the power of God that ultimately will give us the victory. Consider Jesus. They accused him of being a drunkard. Because he went into the homes of religious leaders that were considered sinners. They called him a glutton and a wine-bibber. Which today's language would be a party animal. But Jesus never retaliated. And neither should we. Jesus in fact said on the cross. Father forgive them. For they know not what they do. Three is respond positively. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good, says Paul in Romans 12. When we're harassed and persecuted for our faith, this is the last thought that's going through our mind to get back. Rather than how we get back, how we can hurt another person. What instead if we responded positively as the scriptures teach us? The best way to quiet the critics is to don't let them latch onto anything and don't strike back. Love them because you'll never get ahead by trying to get evil, get even. Back during the civil rights movement, um, the civil rights movement was losing momentum. And if you if you can remember, what Martin Luther King taught was uh, a peaceful resistance. Um, to not fight back. They were, they were marching, they were making their, their statements of civil rights, but it was not a, it was not a violent uh, protest. And it was losing momentum until the march in Birmingham. And what happened in Birmingham is that the police unleashed the fire hoses and the dogs and, and the beatings upon the, the marchers, and they did not respond, they took it. They just received it. And what happened there is that it it got on the news and swept across the nation and sympathy began to build for the civil rights movement. Their act of not responding negatively instead to love those who hated them turned the whole movement around. Respond positively. Overcome evil with good. Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who despitefully use you. And this isn't easy, but it's exactly what Jesus did. The moment we retaliate, we are no longer in control. When someone gets our goat, they've gained the upper hand. We can only control how we respond So let's take the high road like Jesus. The moment we give in to the hardships of life, they control us. The moment we hand it over in faith to Jesus Christ, we are empowered through that action. Next, persecution is only temporary. Paul says, For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond measure. Because we look not at what can be seen, but what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. I think Paul is referring to two things here. First, he's referring to the fact that life 
is short. Eternity goes on and on and on. Life is momentary. Eternity, which we are not yet to understand, is forever. And I think the same is true of the troubles that face us in this life. They are temporary. They, uh, they may afflict us, but, th- but through the power of God, through the victory of Jesus Christ, we can overcome. They are temporary. Paul uh, possessed an eternal perspective, knowing that he would only live for so long, but that he would spend an eternity in heaven. We need that eternal perspective that the stuff we desire in this world isn't going to last. What's going to last, however, is what, we've, is what God is giving us through Jesus Christ. We need to start living our lives for what finally really counts in the end. And then finally, the reward. Jesus said that we will rejoice and be glad for great is our reward in heaven. There are special honors for those who experience persecution for their faith. Jesus says, we'll be in good company, for they persecuted the prophets which were before you. And he says this, Paul says this in Romans, and if children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if we in fact suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Heirs, children. Uh, seven years ago, my son called me on the phone, and he'd been having trouble with his thyroid, and he, he said to me, he said, um, I've got cancer, thyroid cancer, and they've scheduled me for surgery in two weeks to take out my thyroid and the lymph glands. Now, the good news is, is that he has a slow-growing cancer that can be treated, and so his prognosis is really good. But in those days leading up to the surgery, we didn't know, and... I cried for two days, and I tried to make a deal with God. Take me. I will trade places with my son. Take me. Do not take him. Take me. Now, as much as I love my son, we can multiply that by 100,000 in how much God loves us. God is willing to give his son for us. God is willing to go to the ends of the earth for us. God is with us no matter what comes in this life. We are not alone. We have a power and a strength that is ours through Jesus Christ. And this reward is not just talked about in the New Testament. It's also talked about in the Old Testament. One example of that is the 23rd Psalm. You're going, 23rd Psalm? What do you mean? What... What kind of reward is in the 23rd Psalm, and how does that compare to this? Well, 23rd Psalm comes in three sections. The first is, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. God is preparing us. God is working with our soul. God is leading to those pace of peace so that we may grow. And then the second part of the psalm is the hardship. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We will go through the dark valleys. But God is with us. The strength and the power, the rod and the staff is with us. 
And notice that the valley is but temporary. For at the end of the valley there is a table. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There is a reward, a presence in a time of trouble. And a gift that comes through our faith in Jesus Christ. Recognize the source. Refuse to retaliate. Respond positively. Persecution is only temporary. And the reward is complete. John Wesley was writing in his journal. And he writes this about writing to his next preaching engagement one day. And it suddenly dawned on him that he had not been slandered or harassed for at least a week. Instead of celebrating, he prayed... Lord, forgive me. Obviously, I'm not pushing hard enough. And as he was going through the next town, a person threw a rock at him, and immediately he started to give thanks and glorifying God. And he writes, Finally, I'm doing something right. Sometimes that's the way it is, isn't it? In closing, one stormy night a boat could not make headway in a storm. And while the captain was struggling to get it into port, a passenger said to him, Do you think we'll get there all right? And he replied, This is a leaky boat, and we may go down. The boilers are not in good condition, and we may go up. But whatever happens, we are going on. And so it is with the followers of Jesus Christ. C.W. Naylor and Andrew Bias sings these words. I mean to go right until the crown is won. I mean to fight the fight of faith till life on earth is done. I'll never more turn back defeat, I shall not know. For God will give me victory if onward I shall go. Should opposition come, should foes obstruct my way, should persecution fires be lit as in the ancient days, With Jesus by my side, his peace within my soul, no matter if the battle's hot, I mean to win the goal. Let us pray. Lord God, we do thank you and praise you for your presence with us. And Lord, I just ask that in the dark night of the soul, in the dark valley, that you would remind us of your presence and your victory. It will come. It will be ours. And so, Lord... Make it so. Make it so for your people. And may we grow completely as a disciple, as your disciple. For I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.